listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hey, everyone. This is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on another episode of the Rainmaking Podcast. A couple of things I wanted to ask of you. If you have ideas for guests on this show, people that speak on the topics of client development, client relationships, building trust, getting published, giving speaking engagements as a way to build thought leadership, overcoming fears of sales, anything related to professional sales, any of that, negotiation. If you know of authors where you've read their book and you've gotten something from that, if you know of speakers, you've seen them speak at industry conferences, at trade association conventions, let me know who they are. Just send me an email to scott at scottlove.com because I'm always looking for insights that can help all of us kind of raise the bar in what we do in terms of client development. Today, you're in for a real treat. Several years ago, I was in a bookstore. I picked up a book on sales. It was called How to Take the Fear of Failure and Rejection Out of Cold Calling. And I started looking at this book and I thought, you know, I could have written this book. Look at that title. And I started thumbing through it and I said, that's a good idea. A few pages later, that's a good idea. A few pages later, that's a good idea. I bought the book. I've read it three times. And the author is our guest today on the Rainmaking Podcast. His name is Art Sobchak. Art has become a close friend of mine. I've known him probably for about 10 years when I started this podcast way back in 2009. Now, for the past 30 years, Art has helped salespeople and those in professional services say the right things to get through, to get in, and to sell, primarily using the phone as a tool. The most effective way to sell is still humans speaking to humans, and he helps them do that in a conversational, non-salesy way. He's received the Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals for his service to the profession. His flagship book is Smart Calling, like I mentioned, How to Eliminate the Fear, Failure, and Rejection from Cold Calling. It's just been released in a new third edition published by Wiley, and the process has become the standard, the gold standard for prospecting for sales with hundreds of thousands of sales professionals worldwide. I hope you gain some insight from my conversation with Art today. I've got with me on the Rainmaking Podcast, one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people in the world, someone that I think you're going to learn a lot from, and that's Mr. Art Sobchak. Art, thanks for joining me on the show today. Scott, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it and uh, love talking about the topic that we're going to be discussing today. Absolutely. And the topic is don't cold call, smart call to prospect successfully without rejection. And, and folks, let me give you some background on how I came to find who Art is uh, years ago. And many of you know this, I used to have a training company where I was doing a lot of sales and recruiter training company to the industry, to the recruiting industry. And I was at the Barnes and Nobles back in the day where you could go to a physical bookstore. And I was looking at the sales books and I remember seeing a book called Smart Calling, How to Overcome the Fear, Failure, and Rejection of, what is it, Art? Is it of a cold calling? Is that the official title of your book? Yeah, Eliminate the Fear, Failure, and Rejection from Cold Calling. That's it. Good. Okay, good. Because that's burned in my brain. And I remember picking that book up and saying, I saw the title. I'm like, man, I teach this stuff. What could I learn? And I remember opening it up in the bookstore, just randomly to some chapter in the middle, started reading. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea turned the pages, read a little bit more. Oh, that's a really good idea. Turned the pages again. Man, that's a good idea. And I got the book. And I've read your book art probably, I'd say at least three times. And thank you for the, the third edition copy. I got that last week. I'm excited about that. Thanks for signing that for me. And uh, I'm going to read it again. And so folks, the, the, those of you 
that have never heard of Art, I'd recommend that you get his book. I've read literally hundreds of business books, a lot of them, most of them on sales, client development. This is probably, I'd say, in the top three, probably, probably one of the most impacting books I've read in business. And so with that, Art, thanks for joining me on the show, man. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> well, thank you for that, for that great introduction. And, you know, it, it's so gratifying to hear professionals like yourself who are just wildly successful in what they do talk about how they not just read the book, but use the ideas. And, and I tell people that this isn't a book that you just want to read to get success you have to actually do the book. And obviously, that's what you do every day. That's right. That's right. And let me ask you this. Let's talk a little bit about the book. And who is the target market for that book? When you wrote that, who did you have in mind for that book? Well, my background for years has been working with primarily inside salespeople who are selling business to business. Mm -hmm. And that could be anybody from a one-person operator all the way up to Fortune 10 companies that have huge inside sales departments. And part of inside sales, of course, is just purely the top of the funnel, prospecting, making that initial call, uh, formerly called cold calling. So I've been teaching that process for quite some time and I always taught that in that process, you should not just make a cold call, which I define as calling somebody you don't know who doesn't know you, who's not mm -hmm. expecting your call, and giving everybody the same pitch, which of course is almost always destined for failure. That's why nobody really likes getting those calls or, or placing those calls. So, so I've been teaching the, the smart calling process for a long time, didn't necessarily call it that, but it's really just knowing something about someone before you pick up the phone and uh, tailoring your messaging so that it's relevant and on target for that individual, what's going on in their world. So what evolved from that was just the entire smart calling process when a publisher came to me and said, hey, will you write a book for us? And in, in the publishing world, publishers aren't looking for people who do not have an audience because they're, they're being inundated every day with book proposals. What right. they do is they have salespeople that actually go out and they look for people that can sell books. So most publishers are not in the book sales business, they're in the book printing business. And they rely right. on people like us who have an audience to, to sell their books. So the timing was right, right at that point, because I decided I wanted to make Smart Calling its own brand because there were so many people out there who, who were not just doing inside sales. Like in your business, we were talking, you, you go out and you meet, the, you meet the clients, you meet the candidates, but normally you're making that first contact over the phone. And I knew there was a huge market out there. So inside sales is a sub-niche of my overall niche, which really is anyone who needs to make an initial contact with someone that they don't know and uh, primarily will be doing it over the phone. So that, that's a very long answer to a short question. Right. And, that's, and I find that quite compelling. A lot of the people listening to this are in a type of professional services where some of them, it's absolutely appropriate to reach out to people on the phone. The other one, you want to try to reverse engineer referrals and set the odds up so that when you make first contact with them, it doesn't seem like a salesy sort of cold call where you have a warm, a warm way to, to make contact. You and I have a common acquaintance and so-and-so. You mentioned you had an issue. I thought it might be good for you and my colleague and I to have a conference call together or something like that. 
So let, let's kind of go more into the fundamentals of the book. Let's get with some definitions. When you say smart calling, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, smart calling, again, is placing a call where I've done some research about the individual that I wish to be speaking with, the company, and whatever situation or trigger events might be going on in their world that would make them a possible good prospect where I could potentially deliver some value. And the research could involve both online and and offline research. There's more information available to us than at any Mm -hmm. point in history. And then the other part of the research is what I call social engineering. And that is talking to people within the organization other than the decision maker for the purpose of learning something about them that's going to help me put together a more targeted and relevant and value-packed message. So let me, so let me kind of pause right there, Art, because you gave about two or three insights that I think we could develop a full half-day seminar on each of those. Okay. Uh, you, you mentioned trigger. What was it? Trigger. What was it that you said? Trigger events. Trigger events. What do you mean by a trigger event? What does that mean? A trigger event is something that happened that would change the environment within the organization or with the individual that now would cause them to be on the lookout for a particular product or service that they need to again fill a need or solve a problem or enhance their situation. Can I pause you right there for a second, Art? Sure. Because what you're saying, I think, is very rich. I think that when people, and we could even back it up to why do people buy? Well, they do it to accomplish a goal, keep from having bad things happen. And there's always a self-interest, there's self-interest at stake. They're not going to buy things just to be nice. They're doing it because they have a vested interest in the outcome. But what would be examples of trigger events that you've seen in business, professional services? What are some examples that you've seen in people that are in the rainmaking profession where that's been an impetus, that's been an inflection point where now they might have a need for my product or service. What are some examples that you've seen? Well, let's take one that we're living right now. And I I know this podcast will be up forever, but we're recording this toward the end of the pandemic. And that's one of the the biggest trigger events in the history of of our lifetime. So (laughs) that has created now all kinds of opportunities, and, and we've talked about this before, for, for some people it has paralyzed them, but for others it's created opportunities. And if you look in any business, things have changed dramatically as a result of the pandemic. For example, in my case, I of course provide training for salespeople who use the phone and work remotely. And now of course everybody is doing that. So, so that's a huge trigger event in, in my case. And in, in your business, so for example, in the legal recruiting business, uh, tell me what type of opportunities now are present that weren't there before the pandemic? Well, I would say there's probably three different answers to that question. One of those is practice areas. There are certain practice areas that are seeing a spike, such as bankruptcy and restructuring, obviously, also labor and employment litigation. But then you're also seeing other industries, such as life sciences and pharma, well, that's going to spin out a lot of patent prosecution, which leads to patent litigation, which leads to transactional work. So I think that's one line that I've seen. The second one is looking at which firms are doing well and have a good story and which ones aren't. And my narrative when I reach out to people in my world is that your firm is going through change and it's not necessarily the cut. 
that's being made to compensation. It's the messaging of that and the leadership. Some firms are making cuts, but their partners are locking arms. If your firm isn't like that, we should talk. So that's something I've been using. And then the third is within our own strategy, this crisis has helped us to reconsider and challenge preconceived ideas such that any partner I put in front of a law firm, I've got to meet with in person. Well, I can't do that now. So we made changes geographically. And as, as a result of the crisis, I think we found some veins of opportunity, some veins of gold, so to speak. So within our world, that's what I've seen. What are you seeing out there in professional services, others? Are, are you seeing, are they poignant opportunities related specifically to this acute crisis? Or do you think it's more general trends that are some of those trigger events? Well, it really depends on who you are and what you're selling. And one question that I asked, and I did a a special training session for for all salespeople that I invited them in at a dramatically reduced rate, almost gave it away. And the first question that we asked during one of the first sessions is, what unique changes are your prospects going through right now as a result of this environment? And how are you uniquely positioned Mm -hmm. to help them with those problems or to to take advantage of opportunities? And the answers to that are only limited by someone's creativity. And I mean, just just look around all the things that are different today. So let's take it outside of the pandemic here. Mm -hmm. I mean, any type of change within an organization could be a trigger event, again, depending on what somebody is selling. Growth could be a trigger event. Uh, A decline could be a, a trigger event. New hires. Anything going on internally, a product launch. Yeah, mergers. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, mergers and acquisitions. So it obviously requires a little bit of work. And and that's the problem with some salespeople. They just want to get on the phone and smile and dial and and give a pitch (laughs) and sell what they want to sell, as opposed to it's always got to be about the person that we're talking to. And that's why we want to do the research and find out what's going on in their world. And, And the great thing today is that with a couple of mouse clicks, and uh, getting online in a, a couple of different search engines, I can find out a tremendous amount of information about your company, what's going on with you, as well as individuals. Some right. people used to call this stalking, but if it's out there, it's, it's not stalking. That's right, right. And let me kind of segue into that. You also mentioned social engineering. What do you mean by that exactly? What are some examples of that? Social engineering is a term that was popularized in the early 90s by computer hackers. And matter of fact, one guy wrote an entire book about it. He was the most notorious computer hacker uh, in the world at the time. His name was Kevin Mitnick. And uh, Kevin would hack into the computer systems and phone systems of government agencies and huge corporations, educational institutions, by doing nothing more than talking to what he called the weakest link in any company security system. And, and those are the people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he wrote an entire book about it called The Art of Deception. He wrote the book while he was in prison, by the way. Oh, wow. Because he, <laughs> he, it's fascinating. He did get caught. And uh, I think as part of his release and his parole, he wasn't allowed to, to touch a computer again. So now he does security consulting for companies. So here's what he did, Scott. He would call into a company and, of course, he would pose as somebody he wasn't. And he would say, hey, yeah, this is Joe in the IT department. And uh, Scott, are are you at your computer there? You are. Great. Okay, we're changing all the passwords in your department. So go ahead and give me your old password. And then quite often he would get it. And now he's into the the computer system. Wow. No kidding. 
social engineering by definition is simply talking to people and asking questions. The way right. we do it in sales is, of course, we're, we're not, we're not pretending to be somebody we're not. We introduce ourselves and our organization. Hey, Art Subcheck here with business by phone. Then the magic H word, I'm hoping you can help me. Mm-hmm. And for example, in my case, I like to call into the sales department because mm-hmm. we all know salespeople like to talk. And they are the ones that are going to give me great information about, are they doing prospecting now? How are they doing it? How are they compensated? How are they trained? How motivated are they? What kind of results are they getting? And salespeople will tell me that. So the rest of the process is after I ask for help, I'll say, I'm going to be speaking with your VP of sales, Scott Love, and I want to make sure I'm prepared when I do. Now, that's the key phrase. That's the why. That's the because statement. Mm-hmm. And that is proven. And you've probably read Robert uh, Cialdini's book, Influence. Oh, and sure. In there, he talks about, remember the, uh, the copy machine example, where they tested the use of the justification. Uh, the justification is just simply giving a reason why you're asking for something. So I want to make sure I'm prepared when I speak with him or her. I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. And then you go into the questions. And this is probably the most underutilized tool available to salespeople for getting sales intel in real time. And an objection that I've heard to this for years is, oh, people are busy. They're not going to give you information. Well, they do. And (laughs) people are actually surprised when they try it. And here's the interesting thing. If you go beyond the most basic factual questions, such as, oh, when is he or she normally in? And what's their email address? If you start asking questions that are of substance, you get some amazing information if you ask. Right. That's such an easy concept. Why do you think people don't do that? What's keeping them from taking those action steps? Uh, Laziness, inertia. Mm -hmm. They haven't done it before. Maybe fear of the unknown. I mean, there's so... So much fear that holds salespeople back. And, and fear is really just a, a false story that, that people tell themselves. Yeah, so yeah, let's talk case, about that for a little bit. I wanted to kind of go down that line. So that's part of the title of your book, Eliminate the Fear, Failure, and Rejection. How is that even possible for people to do that? Well, let's, let's take the rejection part because that is probably the number one thing holding people back from, from doing prospecting, the fear of getting rejected. So... My answer to that is, and this is what we do in workshops, I'll I'll ask people, I'll say, okay, who here has been rejected before? And of course, everybody thrusts their arm up in the air. I'll say, great, how do you know? How do you know? And then here are the answers. Well, I get a no. Or they say, they're all good. They say, don't call me anymore. Or it's their tone, their dial tone when they get hung up on. (laughs) Mm. So then then I'll ask everybody, okay, so those are things that happen to you, okay? Is rejection what happens to you or the way you define what happens to you? And it is always the way you define it, right? Because it's the story you tell yourself. I can take two people. They both just got a no on a prospecting call. One is devastated. Oh, no, I got a no again. I was rejected. I'm getting rejected all day long. The other person said, well, you know, at least I found out that uh, they're, they're not in the market right now. However, they are going to have some changes after the first of the year. And I kept the door open for a future contact. Yeah, I got a no, but at least I accomplished something here. Plus, I learned something from the call. So who was rejected? 
obviously right. the one who told themselves the story about how they were rejected. So it's just the way we frame that in our minds. You know, everything is the way we frame it in our mind, isn't it? What do you think of people in sales that, in my own opinion, is I, I just never liked it because I felt it, it didn't really focus on the objective of every event that doesn't bear fruit, where my own opinion, and I know you feel this way, as you've indicated, is that there's no such thing as failure. It's just feedback. It's just information. And some people, they would look at, well, if my sale is $1,000 each time I get a rejection, that's $20. So you told me no. Well, thank you for the $20. So I've, I've never appreciated that perspective because I really think it diminishes the goal of each transaction, which is to learn things. It's, it's like a friend of mine was a professional poker player. And I remember asking him, when you play cards, when you play poker, do you have any goals that you set? Do you have a win rate? And he says, well, I have no control over the cards. I have only control over my decisions. And so my two goals that I have when I play poker, and he was very good. He said, number one is to make correct decisions. And number two is to learn something. And if I make correct decisions, and if I learn something, even if I lose in terms of my winnings for the day, that was a result of a, that was a good day. That was a successful day. What do you think about kind of parsing it into that level, $20 for each rejection? What, what do you think about that, Art? I know that's a common theme I've heard in sales over the years. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I really didn't buy into that because you're almost telling yourself a lie there. It's like, well, I just made $20 on that call. No, you didn't. <laughs> because right. Right. You, you didn't get any revenue from that call. However, again, I could accomplish something, which would be, like you said, getting a win of some type, and then also planting a seed for the future. Right. And planting a seed could be something like, Scott, I know we're not in the market today, but the next time you notice this happening, okay, and then you paint a picture of a scenario, keep in mind that we can potentially help you with this. And then you draw a picture of, of the potential end result. And that could be something that is productive. And in addition, yeah, I agree. We should learn something on every call or else it was a lost opportunity. Salespeople could get a graduate degree in sales if they just asked themselves two questions after every single call. What did I like about that call? And number two, what will I do differently next time? You know, I think we could have a whole show just on this art, how to turn failure into profit. And one thing I do, and I've mentioned this before on this show, but one thing I do, I keep an Excel spreadsheet. And I've been doing this for about three and a half years. Every day at the end of the day, I keep track of two things. What was my greatest achievement? What was the one thing I did that I'm really proud of? And what was my biggest lesson learned? And the lessons that I learned, those are mistakes. I didn't call somebody back soon enough or whatever it is. And I document that every day. Then I also document on that same column or the same row, I have a column for my uh, two metrics in my business, submissions, number of resumes I send to clients and number of interviews per day. And I try to track that every week. And so I've been doing this for over three and a half years. Art. And I, what I do every couple of weeks, I look over the column of lessons learned. Each day, I look back the last two or three months and I try to find the same mistakes I'm making over and over again. And then I, I look at, is it a character issue? Why am I making that same mistake? Am I afraid? Do I need to change the lens through which I look? What's the reason for that? So I think if people just look at that, if they look at fear, failure, and rejection, no, it's learning experiences. There's no such thing as fear. There's no such thing as failure. There's no such thing as rejection. If you've got something to show for it, and if you've learned something, you've got something to show for it. What, what do you think about that concept, Art? And it's no wonder why you're wildly successful in, in your <laughs> business because you're doing that and that is something that 
many, many salespeople don't do. And they keep on committing the same mistakes over and over and over again. And as I talk about in the book, one of the best ways to get good at anything is avoid the mistakes that most people are making. And you're taking that even a step further on a micro level and, and analyzing each and every day and picking out. And I'm sure they're not major mistakes, but the better you get, what happens is we're just, we're fine tuning the little tweaks that can move mountains. And that that's what you're doing. And the very best salespeople that I've ever been in contact do that. And it's, it's not that tough to do. Right. Right. That's right. Or you, you have so much wisdom that people can benefit from. And one thing I'll say this is that some people listening to this might be in the type of profession where they're not used to making outbound cold calls and it's just not appropriate for them to do so, but they need to make outbound connections, such as reaching people that chair conferences to get on a panel or to get a quote or to get to follow up on a referral or just to keep in touch with people that have already indicated in the past that they want to do business with them at some point. One thing I've seen, and this from my perspective of talking to a lot of attorneys, I talk to a lot of them, a lot of them, And there are a handful of those that have built successful practices and those that are wildly successful have a deliberate and intentional plan in place where one one young partner built a successful business. He said that my goal is to have 50 connections each year that are significant, right? And it's very significant, such as I'm going to reach out to this trade association to get out. And I'm like, how'd you come up with number 50? And he said, it's one a week. If I just make one significant connection, that's a successful connection a week then I'm moving my practice forward. So your whole concepts are towards people that are traditionally in a sales role, but I think that anybody that's in a business development capacity, which means every professional service provider that has to generate business can learn from your concepts, even if they're not quote unquote salespeople, they really are. And so so tell me, what are the offerings that you have if people want to get access to your smarts I know they can get your book, but what are some of the other resources that you have that people can benefit from if they want to take action on what you're talking about? Yeah, let me first go back and just highlight what what you had just said there. True, I, I primarily work with salespeople, but as I mentioned in the book, the concept is really for anyone who needs to reach out to someone and make a connection and reach out to someone that they really don't know yet. And of course, if it's a referral, that that is actually preferable. But mm-hmm. if it's not, uh, I mean, I mentioned uh, sports recruiters, uh, people who are doing fundraising, people who have to get volunteers for you know their church or organization. This applies to them as well, and you will you will benefit from the material in the book. As far as everything else I have to offer, I would suggest that uh, people go to my site, smartcalling.com, because there you can pivot off and uh, find just about anything else that we have available, tons of free content audio, video, uh, blog site there. You can contact me if you'd like to discuss uh, training for yourself or, or your organization. So, so that is all there, smartcalling.com. And if you're interested in the book itself, that has its own page, which is smart-calling.com. That's and great. We also, we're also giving away a free companion resource library that's packed with audio videos, webinars, and things because I couldn't, the, the publisher wouldn't let me make it like a 2,000 page <laughs> media book. So uh, I decided to put that, <laughs> that other resource together as well. That's great. And we'll put those links on our show notes also, Art. 
And, and let's kind of end our call today, kind of if we could take what we discussed and put them into three action steps that people can take today to get started on what you're advising, what would those be? Well, the first would be, it all has to start with your mind. And I firmly believe anybody in sales or business development, probably 95% of what you accomplish is is due to how you feel when you're doing it. Right. And, and I loved what you said about what I control. I mean, we can't control what's going on in the other person's world, but we can control our, our attitude and our thoughts. And then we also can control the activity that we put in with, within a process. And that has to be there. And I, I would suggest that if this is something that, that you want to do and, or if you have to do because you have to get out there and make connections and, and be a rainmaker and, and bring in some revenue, you need to be in that right frame of mind so that you are being the person who will do what it takes in order to be successful at it. And right. it's not just, I'm going to dial the phone and see what happens. Okay. And right. there, there's a lot that, that goes into this, but it's also thinking about rejection in a different way. Nobody can reject you without your consent. And you have to change the stories that you tell yourself about sales and prospecting and all the things that we just covered here, getting a win on every call. So that's number one. Great. Number two is the words we use with, within the process. And we go into this in detail in the book. We have to come up with our messaging because ultimately it's what we're saying to people that's going to cause them to lean in and to realize that you are different from all the other salespeople out there or everybody else who's, who's blasting out their automated messaging. We live in an ignorance society today. People have to ignore most of the messages that that we're hit with. So how are you going to break through? You're going to make your messaging all about the other person. You got to commit to put the work in to do that. And then the last thing is, if you want to be successful at business development or prospecting, you've got to make it non-negotiable. It's not something that you fit in around your other activities What you do is you commit to doing it every day at a certain time for a certain time, and then you work your other things around that. Because if if you're in business, there's nothing more important than bringing in business, right? Right, Because it's real tough to, to keep a business going without sales. You know, I think what you've just hit on, Art, I think we've scheduled our next three podcast shows with you as our guest, (laughs) talking about (laughs) the mind part, uh, the words we use, and the habits that we have to have in making the calling time non-negotiable. So I think we're going to have you back on at least three more times in the next few months, Art. I'm excited. How does that sound? That sounds great. Let's book it. (laughs) That sounds great, Art. Well, thank you for being a great guest as always. We'll talk with you soon, and I'll definitely see you on the golf course real soon. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, Art. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.